Geek Therapy is a Humble partner, and you can help support us by subscribing to Humble Monthly, where you can get over $100 in games for just $12 a month. For more details, visit geektherapy.com slash humblemonthly. Welcome to Headshots on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network, where it's a psychology and gaming show. I'm Josue Cardona with Kelly Dunlap. Oh, hi. And Lauren Keller. Hello. Oh, look at that. There's two. There were two. Now there are three. Woo. Incredible. <laughs> we're multiplying. <laughs> oh, this is this is this is going to be a good conversation. I think because I want us to talk about something that a lot we, we hear a lot about in in gaming, which is difficulty modes, and uh, particularly people love to talk about hard mode and how hard Dark Souls and Bloodborne are, and and all games are now the Dark Souls of this or that because they're they're punishing. But I don't want to talk about that today. We're going to talk about easy modes. This week, we, we were streaming on the Geek Therapy Twitch a game called Celeste, which is very, very hard, but in a very refreshing uh, way, it tells you that it's okay th- that you're losing so much. It encourages you, right? It tells you that you're learning from that experience. And right off the bat, it tells you, hey, if it gets too hard, there's a there's an assist mode. You can you can change the settings. It'll, it'll help you out. And... And that got me thinking about uh, difficulty levels, and and Lauren suggested we, we we do a whole episode about this, so we will. And and I'm curious, uh, just from 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 you guys, what is your just general ideas on the idea of of an an easy mode, Kelly? Well, what are your thoughts? I mean, the the idea that you can change the difficulty is nothing new. Uh, I mean, if you're comparing it to like the '80s on the the original like platformers that a lot of people hold up as, you know. If you could beat that game, you're a real gamer type of stuff. But I mean, you know, Halo, you know, 2001 had, you know, you can have normal or difficult or legendary or easy. You know, the fact that you've been able to adjust difficulty is not a new thing. Um, but the the criticism of bumping something down or rather the exaltation of playing something on like the hardest setting and somehow that is tied to your inherent worth as a human being is something that has has come up. And so I, I think that's that that's a part of it. Um, and the other part about having like an easy mode, I, I think it really stirs up thoughts of the conversation around hardcore versus casual gamers and the the feeling that somehow if you're a casual gamer, you're, you're not really a gamer or you're not really playing. Or if you play a game on easy, you didn't actually experience it. So there's I feel like there's a lot of um, skill shaming, which, of course, has some significant psychological underpinnings. Uh, but yeah, I want to I want to hear what Lauren has to say, because I know you have actually played Celeste, right? I, I haven't. I've watched uh, Josue play on our stream. Okay. I would say, I know but, somebody played it. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to, I really liked the way that Celeste, uh, they call it assist mode. And you can turn on and off invincibility. You can turn on and off uh, your stamina, which is how long you can cling to walls. Then you can, what, you can like slow down time a little bit. Yeah, and, and you can change all of those things individually, and, and they label that as like, "Hey, you know, this game is intended to be difficult and challenging, but we understand that not everybody can can play games like that. So if you want to, you know, change these modes, you can do it at any time with no penalties." And that was so refreshing to me because I've I, I played a lot of video games, but I frequently will play on normal or easy mode. Because the enjoyment for me isn't necessarily uh, overcoming challenge, though that can certainly be part of it. 
Um, but sometimes I just, I want to play the game. I want to see what the game is that I'm playing. And a lot of games, like, uh, they will shame you for choosing easy mode or easy mode will be named something that sort of negs you, uh, or, uh, not so much in newer games, though I do have an example of a newer game, but like they'll straight up remove content for easier modes. Like you have to play on a hard mode if you want to see everything that the game has to offer. And it, it kind of feels bad when it's basically like, oh, you're not good enough to see this game or play this part or actually get to a final boss, even though it's like, well, but I want to, I want to, I want to do it. I'm just not super good at the Twitch reflexes. You know, I'd never, I'd never thought about that because, you know, as a huge Halo fan, I've completed like all the games on Legendary um, and done like solo Legendary runs and all that kind of stuff. And I know that at the end of Halo 3, uh, specifically, if you beat the game on Legendary, you get a different ending. And I'd never thought about that. I'd always thought about it as a reward for going through on Legendary, not as a punishment for somebody who can't. Um, so that's a really, really great observation. I hadn't thought about it that way. So I pulled up a TV tropes page that's called Easy Mode Mockery, and it's got a huge list of all these games that, you know, various ways that they they mock or put, you know, easy mode on like a lower bracket of like, oh, you're not as good. Um, But Halo, the first Halo was on there in that if you played through easy mode, it was the only mode that you didn't get an achievement for completion, which I thought was sort of interesting in that it's like... On one hand, I can see giving, you know, if you really put in the time and effort to complete on the hardest difficulties, especially games that have like a new game plus mode that you can't get unless you've already beaten it once. It's sort of cool to have like, oh, you worked so hard, so you do get a bonus episode. But having easy mode be like, oh, you don't even get an achievement for completing it. It's sort of like, oh, man, that makes me feel kind of bad. Kelly doesn't care about achievements. I love achievements. So that story makes me very sad. Choosing different um, difficulty levels to attain a different achievement or to make like a, like to get a, a thousand gamer score on Xbox or a platinum trophy on PlayStation, it's uh, sometimes you have to play through different difficulties of the game. And that means like, you know, a grind, like playing the game multiple times. But at that point, you're talking about like a different level of completion, right? Like even even a lot of trophies uh, kind of adjust the, the difficulty level in a way, like without actually touching the, the internal settings of the game, because maybe, you know, you have to play the entire game in stealth or not kill anybody throughout the game or play the game on your head. I don't know, whatever the achievement is. And then you you just progress through that and you're kind of adding something to it yourself. And that's like a special kind of reward. But story content bothers me so much. You know, like movies don't say like, no, 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 you haven't earned like the second half of the movie. That, that never <laughs> happens. But in, but in games, that happens all the time. There's so many games that I've never seen the ending to. And even games that are about a story right like maybe you care about that story so much and then you you'll never be able to see it unless you, you go on youtube but there like, even celeste does that really well where it even a whole level it just has an assist skip 
It's like, hey, your assist mode is on. If you want, you can just skip this whole level and just go to the next part. And and that's great because you can you can progress and and see the level. Last night when when I was streaming, it was like ten thirty at night. I, w- I was tired after an hour and a half of the game. I was I was a little exhausted. The the character in the game wasn't doing what I wanted or what my brain was trying to tell her to do. <laughs> I was tired, so I turned on assist mode at the end so I could just get through the final part and and reach the end of the chapter. There there's so many moments like that, right? Where if I was if if that mode wasn't there, I would not have seen the end of that chapter, which actually has uh, you know. A, a story it has cutscenes and everything so i wouldn't have been able to get there because i was i was tired or, or maybe sometimes you don't have the time so that's why that's why i love easy modes like i usually play in an easy mode and and the idea like just the idea of at any time being able to adjust things to meet you where you are not even just skill level right just time wise that i was playing final fantasy 7 the the pc port on on ps4 recently and it has a boost mode i can play it faster than regular i can turn off random encounters in in that game and some rpgs are doing that now that's fantastic like that adds so much time to a game and maybe maybe you don't have 100 hours to to play a game but maybe Maybe you've got 30 or 40 and, and to be able to adjust that. I don't know. I, I'm in love with this, uh, with what I hope is a like renaissance of uh, assist modes, easy modes. I don't know, like player, pro player <laughs> settings. <laughs> I mean, I, I was thinking how many games I have quit and never gone back to because there's some spot where I got stuck. And maybe it was a difficulty thing or maybe it was just a mechanical thing. Like I was trying to play... Oh gosh, there's a um, year walk. There's a, a mobile game that's supposed to be like this really important empathy game and really innovative. And I tried playing it and I'm stuck. I've played for like an hour and I've hit a point where I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I feel like I've looked everywhere and I, I just, I don't know. And so I've walked away from that game. And I there's so many that have, have done that. Um, I, like the very first one I can remember was playing Lion King on my Genesis mm-hmm. and I could never <laughs> get past that freaking ape that was chucking the coconuts. <laughs> never, ever get past that. And so I never finished the game. Or I, I guess that like a really classic example that I think a lot of people will commiserate with was in Sonic, you know, the Casino Nights level where you're there's that bouncy um, drum and you jump on it and it kind of bounces up and down. And to progress in the game, you, you have to get you have to get it to go all the way down so you can like go out. Well, apparently this was a huge thing. So that's where I stopped because I could not. I, I thought there was something wrong with me. I just couldn't get the timing right on this stupid drum bounce. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward 20 years, I, I met my husband and who's like, oh, yeah, you just push down on the D-pad <laughs> and the, the drum goes down. I'm like, OK. I know, I know now that that was just bad game design because at no other point in any other Sonic had you needed to do that. And apparently there was this huge thing in the um, when the game came out of people like asking one another. And so I'm not, I'm not the only one. So I feel good about that. Um, it was a huge deal. But yeah, I think about how many games I have not completed or, or lost out on because I've hit a point, whether because of difficulty or mechanic, that I just I can't get past. And that makes me really sad. <laughs> So you're a game designer. You studied game I, design. I am. I do. Why would anybody design a game that people can't reach the end of or can't see all the content in? Well, I feel like that is also <laughs> a question for the psychologists in, in the group. Um, be, because we know like there's around Dark Souls or around Cuphead especially, like this idea that it is intentionally hard. So if you get through it, there's 
you know, it was more demanding, more challenging, and therefore there's more satisfaction. And as a game designer, if you're making that kind of game, you are really targeting a very niche component of of gamers. You're targeting people who have probably been playing for a long time. They have mad platformer skills, and at least in this case, and you know that that are completionists. That you know the the joy they get from games is in tackling an obstacle that is incredibly difficult and getting. Uh, past it, like that is that is their core. These, it's not a game that's going to appeal to people who are interested in open world or any kind of fantasy. Like this is not a game for Skyrim lovers. This is not a game for you know narratively driven people or socially driven people necessarily. This is really for like self competitive achievement oriented kind of players. And there's nothing wrong with targeting that at all. But one thing that I really like about Celeste is that they provided that experience. But by having the assist mode, they opened that experience up to pretty much anybody who would want to play, which is like a really smart idea. Because why why limit your audience, your 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 income? Like if you make it available to more people, more people are going to pay you money for it. Well, even something like Cuphead, like Cuphead yeah. is such a beautiful game, right? So like you you spent all this time on this artwork and this animation, and then most people won't see what three fourths of it because they can't get past the first few levels, or or you know, and and we know that most people don't finish games. They, that just that's just something that happens. Your your studio spent days, weeks working on that final cutscene, and then nobody nobody can reach it. It's it's so strange. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely wanted to address Cuphead because their basic setting is like the the normal mode, um, but you can switch it to an easier mode when you're when you pick the bosses. But it's not really actually any easier. It's just it reduces the the like the boss forms. So instead of fighting three versions of the boss, you only fight two. So it's not actually easier. You just get to see less content and you don't get to collect the souls from defeating the bosses. So you can't actually beat the game either. And so it's like hmm. it's a real bummer because that game is gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Like they spent a, a, like a decade working on that game and it is beautiful and the idea is like I'm the only way I'm going to see 90% of that game is watching it on YouTube there's no reason for me to buy it because I'm not going to be able to beat more than like two or three bosses on my own I don't have the time to sit and replay levels over and over and over again until I memorize and get get good enough to uh, to twitch out of the way and and smack all of the little pink dots and everything is like I'm I love that game but I didn't buy it because there was no way that I was going to be able to actually play it if they had had an assist mode I'd be all over it I would probably still be playing it right now <laughs> yeah the the idea that an easy mode sometime somehow removes or takes away from the harder setting is is something that that I I have difficulty understanding again from the from the design perspective because yeah you have this super rewarding um, experience where it's really hard and then the harder it is the more rewarding it is at the other end for people who can do that right for people who who can whose skill can meet that uh, challenge and then surpass it that's a that's a great feeling but someone else's skill maybe maybe lower than that. And then again, there's different reasons to like different games. So I, I just don't understand. Like Celeste has 
is, is like the most hardcore game, <laughs> right? Because of um, like you never get any upgrades really. You just have this this uh, set of uh, moves, and every level just gets a little bit harder and a little bit harder. It even has a uh, speed run timer. Like they know that this game is going to attract a the type of people who love speed runs. Like it's not just hard enough. It, it's like, we want to see how fast you can do it, right? It has all of that in it, but then it also has the other end where it's like, oh yeah, you want to, you want to skip levels? You want to, you want to have infinite lives? You want to have infinite dashes? You want to just, you know, have a, have a fun time playing however you want to play? Go for it. And that doesn't take away from the other people. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand why even omit something like that at all. So I think a lot of it comes down to, uh, at least in the, either the smaller studio or the indie Uh, game base is people tend to make what they enjoy. So, you know, if you are the kind of person that likes a a Dark Souls Cuphead type of game, that's probably what you're going to make. And you're going to have people who also enjoy that, you know, play test it for you. So on one hand, there is this kind of bubble around you you make what you know, you make what you enjoy. And again, I don't don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that because, you know, you, you can't can't please everybody so you should you should make something um that that you're proud of and that you like because as a game designer you spend so much time making it that you you better like it it's kind of like a it's kind of like a dissertation in that way I, I think what gets me is the the kind of the societal shame or the, the shaming around taking easier routes and before we get to the shaming because we'll definitely talk about that because there are some incredible examples i still want to see or hear um, more thoughts on just like why not why not scale that you can have your perfect vision and tell someone like hey this game is the sweet spot is playing it on legendary and I'm, I'm pretty sure I've I've heard a bunch of people say that in the past right it's like listen like we think that the best way to play is this way right and maybe it's balanced and and fine tuned perfectly right to give you like what they believe is their optimal experience is to play it in this particular mode. But this isn't like a sculpture, you know, this isn't like one and done. This is, these are ones and zeros. You can scale things up and down, which is why you can mod a lot of games. And then honestly, you can, you can add things to them and, and change them to be, be more like what you want it to be. And you can change these things, but it, it always surprises me from the, from the developers. It doesn't, you don't scale it up or down, right? Like you make an exclusive experience. It's only one way to play. Okay. So I am going to jump in and defend my fellow devs here because it may seem easy to scale difficulty, but it is not. Like I I was reading with Celeste that you can scale difficulty across all those different types by increments of 10. That to me is like the stuff of nightmares, trying to wrap my brain around the kind of coding process and effort that that took. Like it, I'm just going to go crawl into a corner and die. (laughs) So it, it, it seems like it should be something that's easy, but it, it really is not, especially if the game existed uh, like in a previous iteration. So for example, Halo 2 was built off a lot of the Halo 1 engine. Halo 3 was built off a lot of the Halo 2 engine and so on and so forth. And so, you know, if it's not like hard coded in there from the very start, it's not as simple as like flipping a switch. It is it is a challenging thing that we are asking from our developers. So I will just I will throw that out there that it is not an easy thing to do to have increments of 10 and still have a game that 
functions. So I don't I don't know how Celeste did it. Maybe they're geniuses. They probably <laughs> are. Uh, but yeah, I have, I have no idea how they were able to make a game that has that kind of incrementation and, and difference and still have it function as a cohesive whole. Like that just, my mind is blown. I think it definitely depends on the type of game. You know, scaling difficulty in a 2D platformer is a lot different than a first-person shooter, of course. And, and, you know, just the difference of, like, I remember when I was a kid um, and my my dad would let me play, like, Duke Nukem and Quake, and he would turn on God Mode for me. And that made it so I, as, like, a seven-year-old girl, could actually play the game and not be constantly losing. Uh, and so it's like, that is easy to do. It's just, oh, you make the player character invincible, so they never hit the fail state. Um, but doing stuff like, you know, uh, decreasing the percentage of damage done, or the speed that the characters move, or um, how how useful power-ups are, that stuff gets like real nitty-gritty and opens you up to, uh, I'm sure, a lot of uh, problems in, you know, creating bugs in your own work, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it's not easy to balance an experience. I could say, well, this one, this difficulty setting is balanced this way and this other difficulty setting is balanced that way. But when when we're talking about things being more accessible, when I was a kid, I had a game genie and that was essentially (laughs) a hack, right? And that way... Oh, cheater. Yeah, well, no. hey, don't shame me. Don't shame me. What are you doing? That's that. That is something like calling calling them cheats, calling it, you know, the language around it. Yeah. Yeah. And essentially, like Celeste could have called them cheats. Other games do that. They call them cheats, right? Like you play the game and you unlock, which is funny. Some games you play them through and as you progress, you start unlocking cheats, which in some games is a reward because um, some games seem to like have this understanding that we know that it'll be even more fun if you just have unlimited ammo. And we know it's more fun if you can fly. And and so having having had game genies and game sharks and, and game facts open all the time, right? And and knowing cheat codes uh, was a way for not only to enjoy a game in a different way, which is one way of looking at it, but just making it more accessible. Yeah, like I couldn't I couldn't beat Mega Man games when I was a kid. Not without a game genie. Like, I would have never seen <laughs> all the way to the end. Like, the Wily stages in, um, in in Mega Man games are, like, the best part, but you need to beat the nine bosses before you can get there, or the eight bosses before you can get there. It's, uh, it's a lot. Like, again, they're, they're hard on purpose, and different games do it differently. Like, when Mega Man 10 came out, it was the first Mega Man game to ever address the difficulty level, and it had an easy mode built in. And that one was actually pretty hard, uh, I'm imagining, to develop because what they did was the easy mode added additional platforms throughout the entire level so that it would it was easier to traverse. And that means that someone went into every level and added additional platforms you know, for the quote-unquote easy mode. And I think there's different ways to do it. And if we're talking about accessibility, I think I think there's tons of examples of, of just, again, in, in the sense of a ones and zeros, you can just turn off damage Right. Like that's something that that in in a lot of games, I'm assuming wouldn't be that difficult because then you would just as long as it doesn't break the game. I'm sure there are examples, but I don't know. There's there's so many different examples to to choose from that. It's just it always blows my mind when when none are included. Now we can go to shaming. You shamed (laughs) me for using a game genie when I was a kid. See, that's the funny thing is I I resist any kind of fact or walk through like I would rather slam my head against a wall 500 times before getting help 
um, in, in that sense. Part of it is, on, on one hand, I'm like, okay, I, I can figure this out. I can do this. It's a kind of very stubborn persistence that is just part of who I am. Another part of me is, is like, I shouldn't have to look this up because your game design should be better, damn it. Like, <laughs> why Why is your game design not working like it should? Uh, so there is some kind of like resistance to that. But I, I think at, at kind of a high level, it reminds me a lot of like attitudes around hazing, whereas this idea that I went through it, so you have to too, if you want to exist in the same sphere as I do. So you see that a lot in obviously fraternities. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, physicians when they go through med school and they're working like 48 hour shifts. And you know the doctors who trained before them, like, well, we did it, so suck it up and do it if you if you want to be here. And if not, you know, GTFO. And so I think from that perspective, it's understandable that if I went through and played, uh, you know, a really difficult game like Dark Souls and I I put in hours and hours and I, you know, blood, sweat, tears, all that kind of stuff. And then here comes Josue, who's like, game genie, and just kind of like skips through. I I can, I'm not saying that I feel this way, but I I can understand the perception of, feeling cheated. Like I I put in all this work and I got this reward and you put in a fraction of that work and you got that reward. And so I think that's where that's coming from. I don't think that's a good mentality to have, but I think that's what has been cultivated through the last 40 years of of games. I could see that as a as a motivation for for not adding something a little easier. Yeah. I mean, it definitely depends. Like if you're talking about games that have an online component, like part of the fun is everybody's existing within the same parameters. You need to have the same rules for everybody for that to really work. But if you if you're having a single player experience, having that sort of hazing can be a real a real bummer and and can be really excluding to people who, you know, maybe for example, didn't grow up with uh, a welcoming family or friends. Uh, I know definitely being a a girl, a woman playing games, like I couldn't just go over to, you know, Timmy's house across the street and sit there and play through the the level until I was skilled enough to beat it on my own. It was like, oh no, girls aren't allowed to play because girls are bad at games. And so it's like this sort of uh, culture of feeding into that you're not worthy enough. Yeah. And I think you have a really good point that so much of the skills that are used in games that are, you know, hard or, you know, these insane modes or whatever, it relies so much on having uh, like 10,000 hours, you know, that experience level of playing your entire life. And I, I, an example, at least for, for me, is that when I grew up, I never had um, I never had a Nintendo. So, you know, if I tell people I've actually never completed a Mario game, I get like side eye and, and weird looks and I will own up. I'm a terrible <sighs> platformer. I know, but I, I never played platformer games. So like any kind of platforming, I'm just god awful at. But I can do FPS you know, stuff like in Halo, I've competed in tournaments. And but I also started playing Halo in 2001 when that kind of setup was arguably brand new. Yes, shout out to GoldenEye. You did it first. I get it. But, (laughs) you know, so, so it's this idea that, yeah, I can play these kinds of games because I've been playing them for 20 years, 30 years, something like that. And that's why I can do that. But I can't do a platformer because I don't have that that kind of experience. And I, I think a lot of women um, like Lauren and myself totally in the same boat where 
It was not something that was expected for girls. I didn't have any female friends that I could go over and hang out with. And the guy friends that I who did have consoles, most of the time I was just stuck there watching them play, which sucked. But yeah, you, you don't have that even at a cultural level, like it, there's not that foundation. And so I, it does feel like this idea of a way to separate us from them. And it's no longer appropriate to say, or socially acceptable to say, at least for most of the time, oh, you know, you shouldn't play games because you're a girl. And so now there's a, like a, a more microaggressive way of saying it of, oh, well, you're not a real gamer if you can't beat Dark Souls or if you can't beat Cuphead. You know, the, the idea of it being in assist mode and, and accessibility keeps coming back to me because when, I, when I'm hearing you, you're saying like 20 or 30 years worth of, uh, you know, experience. The truth is that the older you get, it also gets harder for you to play. You, your, your reflexes aren't as fast. And I'm starting to feel it. And I'm starting to appreciate, especially something like Celeste, where, again, on both streams, it got to a point where I was like, whoa, I'm really tired. Like, I can't do these Twitch uh, precision <laughs> jumps um, like I could an hour ago. And so I can't imagine for, you know, what it'll be like when I'm in my in my 40s or my 50s and I still want to keep playing in your 90s. Come on, Josue. You know, you're still going to be playing in your 90s. I will. But uh, probably only if I have some sort of assist mode. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have a friend who's colorblind. Right. And so um, I was telling him about uh, how in Battlefront 2, there's three different colorblind modes. Right. Like that's that's amazing. That way, you know, that developer was like, oh. Yeah, we'd like people who have difficulty um, differentiating colors to be able to see our game, <laughs> right? So we'd like them to play. And there are there are organizations like Able Gamers that actually do um, they modify peripherals for people who don't have the the dexterity or the or even the limbs uh, required to play games uh, traditionally. So I keep thinking of that type of thing. I understand the idea of like the artistic vision, right? Like uh, as, as the artist intended, this is the way to do it. But games feel like such a, again, like one of the great things about games is that you can um, six months later add a different difficulty mode to it or something like that so that more people will play or react to 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 the player base. And, and I'm glad that Lauren, that you made a distinction between multiplayer and single player, because I think the appeal of multiplayer games is that ra- ramped up difficulty, right? That, that randomness, like you, you don't know what's going to happen because you can't control what other people are doing and you know, it's going to be difficult. And, and the harder, the better the people are who you play with, the harder the game is going to be. And, and that's the appeal of, of multiplayer, which is why I don't do a lot of multiplayer. <laughs> yeah, definitely the, the difference in uh, emotional response in playing a single player game and being like, you know what, I'm just going to type in this cheat code and cheat like that, that emotional reaction versus playing, you know, uh, Call of Duty online or or uh, PUBG and and somebody's using like a speed boost or aim assist, like that betrayal of the rules of the game is like so much more personally offensive to players because like part of you know playing the game and this doesn't even have to be video games I'm sure all of us have an experience being like a little kid on the playground and you're playing with that one kid who just changes the rules of the game that you're playing and is like oh no wait now you can't tag me because like I have a red shirt on and so I can't be it and it's like that is so infuriating because the point of playing together is you're within the same set of con- confines and the same set of rules, and that's where the play space is. And so when somebody breaks it, it's it's more um, 
it's baking, breaking like a social rule almost. Uh, but in a single player game that you're you're playing by yourself, that's pretend wor- world that's going, well, now I have uh, the power of flight and I'm going to fly up there and explore the magical tree where the owls live and stuff like that. It, it's not as much of a cheat is really the word I keep coming back to. <laughs> yeah. It's like, is it really cheating if you're not having that social space? Hey, so let me tell you about Humble Bundle. They sell games and comic books and regular books and affordable bundles, and a percentage always goes to charity. They have a subscription service called Humble Monthly that includes over $100 in games every month for just $12. Last month, this deal included Civ 6, two expansions, and Owlboy, again, just for $12. So far this month, they've announced Dark Souls 3 with more games to be announced throughout the month. Yeah, I think it's ironic that I'm telling you to go out and buy Dark Souls on an episode where I'm praising games for their easy modes. I know, I know, I think it's funny too. But Geek Therapy is a humble partner, so that means that if you use our link, we get a little something back. And again, I think that these Humble Monthly deals are just are just really, really good. So just go to geektherapy.com slash humble monthly. Again, get over $100 in games every month for just 12 bucks, and a percentage always goes to charity. To sign up or for more information, go to geektherapy.com slash humble monthly. I think I think it's a it's a case by case basis. Every game does it differently. So I'd like to take a look at maybe some bad examples and then some good examples. <laughs> uh, the bad examples would be maybe like Cuphead, like you said, like it's not really an easy mode and it takes something away from you, and maybe some of the shaming examples. I know Lauren said she had quite a few, so mm-hmm. I would love to hear those. Yeah, yeah. Pulling off of the uh, the TV tropes page, there's there's a, a fair list, and I I, I don't want to go through all of these because there is a lot of them. But um, a trend that I have seen is that uh, there's a lot of uh, calling calling it baby mode or kids difficulty. Uh, Wolfenstein 3D calls easy mode. Can I play daddy mode? And like the character gets a pacifier. Um, and the second easiest mode is please don't hurt me, which is funnier, but uh, doesn't rely on calling somebody a baby. But then, you know, there's also uh, like uh, Mortal Kombat 3 calls easy mode like wuss, wuss mode. There's like I'm a wimp mode or uh, easy mode being labeled pussy mode, which is kind of offensive. Yeah, a lot of these, it's like they, they walk a line between some of them seem more funny, but it's still kind of insulting and definitely demeaning. And there, I mean, there are definitely games that like that's the tone of the game is like that ribbing, like, haha, loser, lol, you picked easy, what a haha, dummy, you're such a baby. It's like, okay, I guess I can kind of get it if it fits within the th- theme of the game. One of the Ninja Gaiden games uh, had a, if you if you died enough times, it said, hey, do you want to bump it down to Ninja Dog mode? And I was like, yeah, give me Ninja Dog mode. But then it gives you this pink ribbon on your arm. For the rest of the game, mm-hmm. like that's the insult. Yep. Kind of yep. Metal Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, you can um, wear a chicken hat, uh, which makes the game like it makes it so uh, people don't see you as easily. I believe, um, but it it gives you a penalty on your score at the end of the level. And if you're wearing the chicken hat and you still fail the level ten times in a row, you get a little chick hat 
So it like doubles down on shaming you. It's like a shame for choosing the easy mode and then a shame for still failing at it. I don't know. Maybe because I'm such a Metal Gear fan, but I, I think that one's funny. I like that. Well, I, and, <laughs> and, and, you know, there's something to be said about goofy hats in a game. but it, In a game where you can uh, hide inside cardboard boxes. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody sees and you. Yeah. Drop porn <laughs> magazines to distract people and everything. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah, there, there's yeah. definitely a humorous tone. But I guess it just sort of rankles when it's like, like oh, only like if you if you need easy mode, then it's because you're clearly a baby. Yeah, there's a lot of it feels like a very personal a personalized judgment of the character uh, or of of the player, I guess. In in that respect, I mean, if you think about it, who is going to use the easy mode? It's somebody who wants to play your game but can't access it through normal or legendary or whatever you want to call it. So you're. It's hard for me to understand the financial uh, decision around mocking your players or making them feel bad about their interactions with your game. Like, that doesn't make sense. It, it feels like it's almost there for the people who are playing it on harder difficulties so that they can build themselves up as yeah. opposed to supporting players who are new to the franchise. Maybe this is their first video game console. Maybe they're my grandma and they just want to get started. And now they're being made fun of. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. And it doesn't, I just, I I don't, I don't understand the need to do that. To Lauren's point, absolutely. For tongue in cheek games, there's some that, you know, getting called a loser is part of the fun. But I would say for most games that do this, that's not, that's not part of it. It's it's like specifically calling you out for your lack of skill, which is ridiculous considering that games should be des- designed to improve your skill. Like that's the whole point is you, you start not knowing how to play. And by the end of the game, you should be an expert. And so if you are not following that same path, I mean, at least in my mind, it's not necessarily the fault of the player, but the fault of the game. No, and not all games uh, necessarily are are about skill, right? A lot of games do do have a narrative, or horror games are about scaring you. So if you, I understand that if you make it too easy, then then can it still be scary? I'm I'm thinking I played uh, The Last of Us, and I I couldn't get through the game because it's so tense, and there's like so much. Um, I don't know, like I'm, I'm scared all the time. <laughs> I was like, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, that done. definitely would have benefited from a, an assist mode. Yeah, and, and that game has a, like, a great story, and I really wanted to play it for the story. But the gameplay as part of the story, as part of the narrative, which I understand, is that this world is, is ruthless, and people are out to get you and you want to survive. I, I get that, but then but I, I couldn't get past that, so I, can never, so I never saw the rest of the story. Uh, like I've always been disappointed about that one in particular because I hear people talk about, oh, the story is so great. And I'm like, oh, but I couldn't. The the part of the gameplay that makes it, that is part of that story still, like it's harder for that in, in that case, right? Um, again, horror games, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's it's harder to make it still a horror game if you, if you can't die. One of my favorite games is uh, the Silent Hill series, specifically Silent Hill 2 and 3. And they both have difficulty settings um, for combat and for puzzles. And so mm. I would always play easy mode for combat and hard mode for puzzles because I was there for the puzzles and mm. like mashing on the button to, you know, awkwardly make James whap the monsters is like, that was not the enjoyable part. If anything, like that game 
and a lot of survival horrors sort of encourage you to consider whether or not it's worth it to fight at all. Mm-hmm. And just making it so if you made the wrong choice in that instance, where it's like you probably should just run past this monster and instead you're like, no, I'm going to fight it. Having that be less of a, a setback where it's like, well, you know, it's only going to take three hits to knock down this guy is like well, maybe it reduces the tension because the stakes aren't so high, but constantly dying relieves the tension too, because then you're just like, this is stupid and I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a really great example. What about, what about good examples? Anybody uh, have any more good examples of kind of that idea of an easy mode or an assist mode implemented where it's not shaming you (laughs) and, and it, 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 it can make the game more enjoyable and it doesn't take anything away from anybody else. Not on purpose anyway. An example I have, it isn't actually a game, but rather a system. So my my beloved Xbox actually has an assist mode built into it that lets you remap the buttons on the controller so that if you're playing co-op, one person can do one thing on their controller and one person can do something else. And so the best way to understand is to think about it in terms of if you're a parent playing with your child. So I could make every button on my son's controller, say, jump. And that way, if we're saying maybe we're playing Sonic and on my controller, I can have it, you know, moves forward, move backwards, like do the more nuanced things that would be really hard for him to do. But he can hit that jump button. And so we're we're actively I mean, not only are is he getting to play, but we're getting to play together as, you know, a parent, and a kid or this could be a skilled player and a less skilled player. It doesn't really matter. And there's like it's, it's seen as a, is a good thing. It's seen as a chance to interact with somebody and to teach someone a new skill set and to have that kind of social bonding over a game that previously couldn't really happen. Um, I've seen a lot of parents, you know, either give a turned off controller to their child or one that's not <laughs> plugged in to their child so their child can feel like they're playing. First of all, my kid knows when the controller is not on. Like he is he is smart. He's only a year and a half. But if that light is not on, he knows it's not it's not working. Um, <laughs> so that's that's out the window. But, you know, th- this idea that you can use something that's challenging to bring people together is one of my favorite ways of making games uh, accessible or or through assist mode or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, those are two really good features, right? It's 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 the the remapping of buttons and then two controllers being able to act as one input device. I really like that. And uh, on PlayStation, there's you can do like a handoff. So anybody who else who's online, um, you can just essentially hand off the game to them, and then they'll see your game and take control of it. So. I have a friend who's done that with me who's like, Josue, I can't get past this one part. Can you help me out? So then I'll I'll log in to PlayStation and then just grab his game and help him through a part and then he'll take it back over. It's uh features like that I really like. Yeah, it's really cool. That is really cool. I didn't know that you could do that on PlayStation. That's really neat. Yeah. I definitely feel that at at this point in the year 2018 if your game doesn't have remappable buttons like you're straight up doing it wrong yeah that that is that is my stance there is you should have remappable buttons yeah so i have have a few uh examples too i already mentioned like mega man was a good one uh celeste we've been talking about this at the beginning mario odyssey has an assist mode which what it does is it gives you three extra lives and then it makes it so that if you fall off a ledge, it just brings you back up. Kind of like in Mario Kart where you fall off the edge and then Lakitu like picks you up. So that's that's really cool. I I didn't use assist mode until like again, I love that that choice. 
it got to a point where I was like, this game, like, I cannot get past these levels. I'm, I'm 500 moons in. It is, it is, it's just too hard for me. I can't, I can't do this. So I turned on assist mode. And then I was having fun again. It's fantastic. Horizon Zero Dawn last year, about six months after it came out, it got a story mode. And, and I like that, that, that they called it that. It's, they added an easy mode so that people who are interested in progressing in the story but find the game too difficult, boom, story mode for people who care about story. Assassin's Creed Origins has very interesting uh, new setting coming out, I believe now in February, which is called Discovery Mode. And so the Assassin's Creed games, they always build these beautiful cities and towns. And Assassin's Creed Origins is the first one that will allow you to essentially turn off the game part of it and just explore the world. With, but the world is alive with all the people and everybody moving around. And it's designed as an educational mode so that people can learn about the city and talk to the people and, and learn about that time period. And I think that that's really cool because, because sometimes you just want to explore the, the beauty of a level or, or see what's going on. And, and I, I love that. Um, again, that's, that one's taken months to implement. That one's definitely, Kelly, I'm assuming one of the harder things to do. Yeah. Like have your game world active, but then turn off the game. Um, and that's why it's taken so many months afterward. But I, I love that, 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 that is there. I would, it makes me want to check out the game more because I always, I love those. Um, I, I love the set pieces in the Assassin's Creed games. To be able to just scale any building and check it out. It's, it's gotta be a lot of fun. I mean, to me, the the most important word that we've said in this entire podcast is accessibility, yeah. um, whether that's in terms of physical or cognitive or, you know, whatever kind of accessibility that time. skill time that we're, we're talking about. And I, I think like the perfect example of why it's important to have accessibility from like a money standpoint, like why developers should be doing this is to look at Minecraft. You know, Minecraft has every kind of accessibility mode that you could want, at least in terms of what your motivation to play is. You know, if, if you want something challenging, there are plenty of challenging tasks to, to overcome. If you want to not fight enemies, you turn on creative mode and you can explore the world like you were talking about in Assassin's Creed Origins. Or fly. Or you can fly. And like you, it's just this... There's a really great GDC talk from, I think it was 2016, about why Minecraft is so amazingly popular. And it's because it does, it addresses kind of each quadrant of gamer interest or gamer motivation. So like achievement versus social versus creativity and fantasy versus uh, like competition. And it takes all those and it does each one of those sections well. So everybody who picks up Minecraft can feel that they... You know, they, they have something to hold on to in that game, that that game feels warm and inviting and welcoming to them um, in terms of interest. Skill level, I have picked up Minecraft. I am, I cannot, I just can't. <laughs> like I, all, all the crafting and stuff, maybe I'm too old, but I bet that, I bet there's a mode in there to make that e- even that easier, but I haven't found it yet. But it's this idea that if you give people the palette to create their experiences that they enjoy in your game, then you're going to have you're more likely to have a successful game because more people are going to be able to access it. You know, whether it's a platformer with a cool story like Celeste, where, you know, you can get your hardcore platformers as well as your casual platformers and everybody can enjoy that experience you're you're just you're doing you're opening yourself up to a broader audience which is great for the audience but it's i would imagine also better for your bottom line as well so it 
it just kind of like makes sense. So I, I think if we were to reframe, take out the word cheat, take out the word hack, take out the word, like all those words that have negative connotations and think about it in terms of accessibility. I feel like that would take a lot of the stigma and shaming away from people playing on different modes um, if they were somehow reframed as as versions of, of accessible. I think that's a perfect example to wrap on. One of the, if not the most sold and profitable game of all time is also the one that allows you to play however you want alone with other people you can break down anything in the world or build and up anything in the world and you can still just walk around and like play around with like little pigs or or go fight a a dragon yeah i'm so glad you brought it up that's the only game i've bought three times i think uh, (laughs) in the past few years and 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 i'll probably get it again on like i haven't bought it on switch yet but i want to (laughs) because it's just it's just it's whatever i want it to be and yeah that's a perfect example of a an accessible game. I I think framing it as accessibility is is the best way that we can address this without uh, being ageist or sexist or ableist. So I definitely I, I really like that that framing. And I think I think you're right, Kelly. It's not just for the players. That's that's beneficial for the game developers as well. So thank you for listening to this episode of Headshots. I, I like this discussion, right? We're, we're not talking about hard mode. We're talking about uh, easy mode accessibility. I, I really liked how, how this turned out. Uh, for more episodes of Headshots, visit headshotspodcast.com. And you can find us at HeadshotsCast on Twitter or on Facebook. And I'm Josue A. Cardona on Twitter. Kelly is Kelly and Dunlap. Lauren is Chicken Dinosaur. You can find... Uh, us playing Celeste and other games on our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash geektherapy every week. And yeah, we'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. Thank you for listening. You've just listened to Headshots on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. For more about Geek Therapy and our other podcasts, visit geektherapy.com. And for extra content, including our monthly book club and other perks, consider supporting us for as little as $1 a month at our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash geektherapy.